0: Happy to be here today. What a beautiful day in Los Angeles. In Ventura, in California. Wherever I am. So I'm going to talk about life and death today. You know, and and really when you think about it, what else is there? This covers everything. I remember a few years ago, Ramdas, before he had his stroke, did a whole series of talks on aging, getting old, what it's like, what to expect. And I was just fascinated because at that time, I wasn't old. (laughs) But then for some reason, I suppose life forced me in that direction. I started to get old. But let's talk about how we got here first. Because that was always fascinating to me. Why am I here? What's the purpose? What's the meaning of my life? Well, it can be anything you want it to be, as it turns out. There is really no meaning. But I'm here because I had karma. For all the past lifetimes I've lived, I had created karma. And it filled up this lifetime. But I got here mainly because I had two people that loved each other enough to have sex. Or maybe I should have used the word lust each other enough. But anyway, they did and I showed up. And they said, welcome. We don't know who the heck you are, but we're glad you're here and we're going to put you in school and we're going to buy you some new clothes and we're going to teach you how to talk and think, you'll be able to do math before you know it and you'll be like a person (laughs) wow, I thought to myself, I'll be somebody that'll be so cool, I'll be a human being and I'll have thoughts and emotions and feelings and ideas and I'll just be screwed up most of my life (laughs) There we go. So I continued to learn and grow and understand and have new experiences and become somebody. And then I started to get old. And I thought to myself, wow, what are some of the indications of getting old? And I know today it's different. Today they say 70 is the new 50, you know, but 9 p.m. is the new midnight. So that's when I started to feel a little old. And then people kept reminding me, now next year I'll be 70. And I think that's a big deal, because 70 to me sounds old. And when I was 30 and met people who were 70, I knew they'd be dead soon. So. So I was courteous, and I was kind, and I didn't talk about age with them. You know, we just talked about stuff. So now I'm there, and now people are talking to me about stuff, about getting old. Now, a couple months ago, I was about to give a talk at a church, and I stopped at McDonald's to have an egg McMuffin, and I broke a tooth. Now, how the heck do you break a tooth on an egg McMuffin, but it wasn't really an old tooth because it was almost 70 years old. <laughs> and there was this really big filling that didn't fall out. So I didn't have any pain and I could still eat and talk. And though I did slurp a little bit in that talk, but it wasn't bad. And then I went to my dentist and I said, you know, I got this tooth and it fell out and I got this cavity. And and he says, well, I think we can fix it. I think we can crown it, and, and you'll be fine. So I went through the whole process. I paid my money. It's two weeks. I got it in there. And he looked at me seriously, and he said, you know, I did the best I could. And it, it, it may not last a lifetime. And then he said, how old are you? I said, almost 70, he said, you'll be fine. So so that's how life works, you know? At a certain point in your life, that's how life works. People are talking to you, they're telling you, they're getting you ready, you know? Now, just this week, I was at Vons buying cat food and I bought like two cases of cat food and and the guy says, "Do do you feed cats? I said, yeah, I've got some homeless cats that I feed. He says, wow. He says, that's a, you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. And I said, oh no, they only live about 10, 15 years. And he said, you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. (laughs) So everybody in my life is getting me ready, you know? Now, I want to bring up something that I find fascinating about aging. And it may happen to you, and it may not, but in the last six months, I've had four men, older, come up to me and say, how do you stop thinking? And I said, really? He said, yeah, you know. I'm thinking all the time, I can't shut it off. I have so many regrets, I wish I had done so many things differently. I'm walking, I'm thinking, I'm talking, I'm thinking, I'm sleeping, I'm thinking. How do you stop thinking? I said, well, you know, it's really hard to stop thinking. Even if you meditate, you're still thinking. You're thinking about why the heck are you meditating? So. I thought about it in my own life. And lately I have been thinking about all the ways I could have been more skillful. From like the age of five to now, I did thought about all the things I messed up, all the people I hurt, all the ways I could have been better. And I just, three o'clock in the morning you wake up, it's like yesterday, you know? Why did I do that 10 years ago? I should have said this. So it came to mind that what I need to do is do a purification on myself i gotta be aware of all the things i've done but and i found this quote that i really like it says richard bach said this you are always free to change your mind and choose a different future or a different past so now i'm in the process of choosing a different past and then i read another quote And it goes like this. We are not changing what happened. We are simply changing the way it lives in us. And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. I don't want to change my past, but I want to remember it differently. I want to be grateful. I want to be happy that it happened. Sad that it's over, but happy that it happened. And what I need to do is I need to work on purification. And in Buddhism, we have a lot of practices that we use to purify ourselves. Now, purify the mind. Buddhism is really about the mind. And this is one, this is called the daily confession that we do at our meditation center. And this is just one of the paragraphs. It goes like this. I have lived many lives under heavy karmic obstacles. Desire, anger pride, illusion, and ignorance. Today, because of Buddha's teachings, I know these as mistakes. Therefore, with sincere heart, I confess. I vow to eliminate the causes of suffering and to do good. Now, I'm saying that every day because those heavy karmic obstacles haven't gone away. And we're not going to be able to change what we've already done, but we can change the results. And that's what I'm working on. How do I come to a place of acceptance with me? With me. I've known myself all my life. And most of the time, I like myself. But sometimes, I'm just a rascal, and I get into trouble. And how do I get to a place of acceptance with that? How do I see that everything is happening exactly the way it's supposed to happen in this world of ours? Now, you may disagree with that and say, well, it's not supposed to happen that way. And I agree, but it's happening anyway. And what can we do about it? Well, from a Buddhist perspective, there's one thing we can do about the world and our life in the world we can dedicate ourselves to ending suffering. And that may entail feeding someone who's hungry. Two days ago, we had a new cat show up at the meditation center. Long hair, big blue eyes, hungry as heck. And I didn't notice it at first, but it snuck up and went into one of the other cat's food bowls. And that cat was sort of surprised, because you don't do that in our meditation center. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has their own bowl, and they're color-coded, and it works fine. But so hungry, so hungry. And I looked at the little guy, and I'm going, oh, man, you know? So I. I was able to pet the cat. He's domesticated, but perhaps abandoned. It happens a lot in our neighborhood. And I thought to myself, you know what? A little food and water can reduce a lot of suffering this cat is experiencing. So I'm going to give it a little food and water every day. And today it showed up again, so it knows where the food is. Now I've got to find a name for it. Because I don't know who they are unless they have a name. And it goes on. And I look at the world and I go, wow, so much suffering. What can I do to alleviate suffering? Now, we're going to come to the difficult part in this talk about dying. And I know we don't like to think about it, excuse me, because we're all going to be there one day. And there's nothing we can do about it except die well. So the Buddha asked one of his monks, how often do you think about death? And the monk said, I think about it once a week. It's really important to me. The Buddha said, that's not good enough. He asked another monk, how often do you talk about death? Do you think about death? Do you reflect on death? He says, well, I do it every morning. When I get up and do my prayers, I think about death. And the Buddha said, "Now that's not good enough either. And he asked the third monk, how often do you think about death? That monk said, Every time I inhale and exhale, I think about death. Now, the Buddha said, fine, that's what you need to do. Because reflecting on death, keeping death as your co-pilot, allows you to engage in life. It's a spiritual paradox, to say the least. I just finished William Shatner's latest book, I like Bill. (laughs) I watched Star Trek. He was the guy, you know? And this book was how he feels about life, his wisdom that he's learned through all the stages of his life. And he's 87 now, he's an old guy. And he said, I heard this story once, and I really liked it. The story goes, we die three times in this lifetime. And you go, whoa, three times? How does that work? The story goes, the first time you die is when you hear about your mortality, when you understand that you have to die. The second time we die is when your body dies and leaves the planet. And the third time you die is when the last person speaks your name. Now, my mother wrote a couple books about Northwood's nostalgia, northern Wisconsin. And one of her happiest moments was when they accepted the books in the public libraries in northern Wisconsin, because she knew that they would be speaking her name for years to come. That made her happy. So we should all be so lucky. I was thinking about Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, 2,600 years ago, we're still talking about him. Jesus Christ, we're still talking about him. Mohammed, we're still talking about him. They did something special. They allowed us to remember the qualities that are important to human existence. And we're still speaking their name. So, as I reflect on my own death and my own life, I came upon a little story by Achan Shah, a famous Thai forest monk that I think really wraps it up nicely. And it goes like this. One day, some people came to the master and asked, how can you be happy in a world of such impermanence? The master held up a glass and said, someone gave me this glass and i really like this glass it holds water well and it glistens in the sunlight i touch it and it rings but one day the wind may blow it off the shelf or my elbow may knock it from the table and i will say well of course of course When I understand that the glass is already broken, every moment with it becomes precious. Once we understand that our life is already broken, every moment of every day becomes special. It's a gift, and we're lucky. So I hope I don't depress anybody. But it's important stuff to think about. You know, when you get over 30 or 40, this is important stuff. And, and the more we think about it, the more we can come to a place of acceptance with how special our life is.